Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Glad you are with us wherever you're tuned in, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Rumble. We're everywhere. You can find us on podcasts, literally wherever you download your podcast. If you're using an Amazon device, ask Alexa to search Outkick on YouTube. You can find the show. We hope you'll subscribe. Ring that bell. Alert to yourself every time we go live at noon Eastern. Um, Claire sends me a text that says on the YouTube chat, people are losing their damn minds in this YouTube chat. I don't know if David David is available uh, for comment on this or not, or if there are so many chats about OutKick selling out to Fox that uh, that, that David David is no longer uh, needed in this chat he disappeared. To, to comment on our fashion He came sense. in for three days, commented on fashion, boom, 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 went down the road and then disappeared. You like how me and Paul perked up when we heard that it was a, a dumpster fire? Like, <laughs> we're like, oh, really? What's going on? Uh, we, that, we like that. That's the type of stuff we like on this show. Uh, David Reed had a great quote, and I don't know who he's talking about, but he said, someone in the message board and what they were saying lacked so much intelligence that he doesn't know how to address them. <laughs> that the statements were so dumb that he didn't even know how to address the person, which I thought was a fantastic quote. It Once is. Reed will give it to us during the break, and we'll actually tweet out the quote from Reed. It was great. And uh, we, we are uh, thrilled about the, the Fox acquisition news. We gave our thoughts on that to begin today's show. Uh, if you're re-watching the, uh, the second half of the show, if you're on the podcast, you can go hear our thoughts and, of course, read Clay's column, outkick.com, for details. Uh, we're going to get into the Tennessee Power Hour here, and we'll transition to the Predators in just a moment. And there's some Titans headlines and some other things to discuss this hour. But I want to start with the fight night at MSG last night where there were six separate fights to start the hockey game between the Capitals and the Rangers. And it, it bears mention, because we just don't see this uh, as often as we used to, but the start of the game with the full-line brawl, uh, which we're going to play a bit of, the Capitals defeated the Rangers 4-2, but this will be remembered as the fight night, where you had 141 penalty minutes in the game. 72 penalty minutes in the first four minutes of the game. And the refs, uh, Claire and I, before uh, Cinco de Mayo, went out to dinner last night. And every time we looked up at the TV screen, there was a fight. And I thought they were just re replaying the same fight and with just different angles. Oh, no, no. And it, it, then I realized, Perpetual oh, those fight. are two different players. Oh, like this is, this is how they started the game. We're seven seconds in and there have been two fights. And then they showed the penalty box. <laughs> Everybody's in the box. Had to open a uh, auditorium. So here, here would be my question about this, um, because the league doesn't like it. Like we like it because it's this huge brawl to start everything, and it's great. You know, we fans love to see crazy stuff like that happen. But I am curious if, as we watch the start of it, where it just immediately the puck was dropped and everyone started fighting on the ice. Um, if what they about, did, if there's three fights. So what about the other? 
two guys that didn't pair off. I kind of shunned them. Like, well, if they're you're about getting to fight. vengeance, why didn't if you If you're go on fight? a roster last night, you threw – you threw fists. Yeah, Sorry, the two guys that are just sitting back and watching, I, I don't get either uh, why they're not fighting. Uh, anyway. Those guys don't want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, uh, they, they literally looked at each other and said, yeah, we don't want to fight. We're, we're cool. You guys can Bullets, go, go guys. on. <laughs> yes. Um, a couple things come to mind. One, what would have been the outcome of this had the league done what it should have done and suspended Wilson for the, for the takedown? Would the it have been as game. severe? There would have been retribution. There would have been hockey justice administered. But would it have been to this level? No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. I think because the NHL screwed up, this was the result of that happening. And I also think about um, HBO Sports years ago on, on Real Sports did a profile of hockey enforcers and how a lot of these guys had psychological issues, concussion issues. And one of the guys was talking about how difficult it is to, um, to basically get your mindset right to know you're fighting that night. When you go into it knowing that you're going to throw hands with someone night yeah. after night, what it takes to get in that mode. We talk about this with boxers or, or UFC fighters, right? To get in that right mind space, they have a long time and a long buildup to get there on fight night. But what was it like for these guys knowing you're on the first line and we're going to go? The moment that puck drops, you're looking across and we got, we're going to fight. I, I just find that fascinating that the level it takes to get ready for that when you're those guys. Well, not just not just for when the when the puck drops, but 141 penalty minutes in this game. Again, how much of that could have been curtailed by the league doing the right thing and suspending him indefinitely? And the, the subplot with this is the Rangers having the the top of their administration blown up after that Same day. statement was released. Yeah. This was so uh, preventable if, if this had been managed correctly. And the thing that I take from it uh, the most <clears throat> is that the Rangers came out and called for the head of, of the disciplinary czar at the NFL offices. I love this. So many teams, including, frankly, the professional football team in this town, cower to the league office and would never do this. And, and listen, it was a previous administration, but this is the example I draw. The Titans, several years ago, when Rustin Webster was the GM, <clears throat> and there was an officiating controversy uh, involving the um, Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And that official that blew that call was taken off a national game. And Seahawks he was given, Packers. And he was given to a Titans game. Titans-Jaguars game, Titans -Jags. I Titans-Jags. He was think. demoted. <clears throat> he was demoted from a primetime game the following week. To the worst game of the to week. To the worst game of the week. And I, I wrote and said on our show, how could the Titans not voice a complaint about this? And they should have done what the Rangers did here and came out and said, this is unacceptable. You're treating us like second-class citizens. And if this official's not good enough to officiate Seattle's game or, or the big game of the week that he has this week, he's not good enough to officiate our game. The Titans would never, ever do anything. I, oh, no, the NFL, we can't say anything. I don't even think they said anything behind the scenes. <laughs> <clears throat> but here the Rangers come out and they say this is a dereliction of duty. That they, and he is unfit to hold this job. And they said consequences be damned for what the league has to say about us. And, you know, if they suffer a consequence, they say he got fined $5,000, which is, by the way, the maximum fine in the mm. NHL, which is also ridiculous. Um, and then they went out and took justice into their own hands because they were left with no choice. And quite frankly, he didn't get beat up enough. He can't get beat up enough because he's the strongest, biggest guy out there. And you don't have anybody that can beat him up. 
I love the honesty in the statement. Here's the problem, though. They got fired after releasing that statement. So fans of uh, like us of honesty and coming out and saying it as an organization, uh, you're not going to be fans of the result because now that's really not going to happen anymore because the guys who were behind that statement got fired immediately after well, that. Well, James went out. Dolan said he fired them because the the team sucked and they were underperforming. They were going to get fired. They were anyway, getting fired, anyway. but it, the timing looks bad. I you know who's new I don't in think, charge? There? I think that that the statement had something to do with it. Also, you know who's it in can't charge there now? Chris Drury. Remember yeah. Chris Drury, yeah. the Little League World Series yeah. hero that uh, then played for the Avalanche. And the other? Preds lose last night. Uh, keeping tabs on their their playoff hopes. Dallas also loses, so had the Preds won in regulation, they would be guaranteed a playoff spot as we sit here today, the fourth playoff spot. They have two games remaining, and with the way Dallas is playing, the Preds are going to get in. Um, They play Saturday against Carolina, Monday against Carolina. Dallas is at Tampa Bay tomorrow, and then they have two games against Chicago. The likelihood that the Stars are going to somehow surpass the Preds is very low. But the Preds control everything. Uh, They can clinch with a Dallas loss tomorrow, for instance, without even playing. But the Preds with an opportunity to clinch at home against Carolina with their final two games to play. And we could see Preds and Carolina for now nine straight games. If Carolina, which they should, lock up the one seed, we could see this matchup if the playoff series goes seven, we could see a lot of the hurricanes coming up. That they're losing a game like they lost last night, that they're giving up a three-goal lead in the third period the other night, does very little to change my thinking about their first-round playoff fate, which is the conversation that we're shifting into here with their qualification inevitable. And I think last night's result screws us out of a Pekka Rene Swan song Saturday night, which I was well, kind of getting sentimental out. Um, but the, yeah, I mean I, that's the the weekend matchups. Yeah, Saturday night, you know, big Saturday Carolina home, Monday in Raleigh. Right. right? So I was thinking a Saturday night at home, chance. farewell game for Becca. Um, the the other thing is, you know, last night just keeping tabs on the Preds a bit, they didn't have that same full energy, and and that's. And, and I'm not, not knocking their effort. I'm not trying to insinuate that they just laid down. They didn't do that. I just didn't see that same spark. And part of that is uh, UC Soros allowed some goals that were were not terrible, but we didn't have the, the saves last night where you think, oh, what a save by Soros. Like, that's, that's what we're going to have to see from Soros in the postseason where if he allows a what I would call a good goal, where it's not on him, it's also just a great, it's just great offense, right? He's got to play great, solid goaltending night in and night out, and he he just can't be good. He's got to play great, and that's the that's the standard that he set over the last 23, 24 games. That's what's going to carry the Preds, and that's why if you want to buy in and have faith on the, some two, one, three, one victories in the postseason. That's the argument you would make, and that's what we didn't see last night as an example. The go-ahead goal was a deflection, but it was a deflection not right in front of the goal. Do we think he could have, should have adjusted to that and made a I mean, play I, on I, it? I, I think, didn't think so. I think Hutton summed it up well. He, he was okay, just wasn't otherworldly. And this Preds team is just not good enough for him to be just okay. 
He's, should he's be against be, Columbus. He's got to be great. To should have, be. No they should be. I'm Columbus saying to win a series. Him. I'm, I'm oh, saying yeah, like yeah. the yeah. That's the now consistency. Carolina's the, the opposition. They might not, not win a series against Carolina even with him great. Dallas, meanwhile, has just lost steam. I mean, they're, I think they were going to finish by playing 44 games in 77 days. I think I have that that correct. Um, and ultimately, looking back on the season. The Preds' turn started around the same time that Dallas went through that winter storm and where they had to shut down. Yeah, and that ultimately, that storm may ultimately be something that is undervalued in the Preds as to success. why the Preds started down the path and why the Dallas lost steam right now because they've had to play so so often to try to keep up and keep pace with what else is going on around them in the standings. Preds should get in. That's ultimately yeah, what we're that, going to see, and that's a that is a victory in and of itself compared to where they were just weeks before we started this show. You know, it wasn't like it was. I said yesterday, and I, I was wrong. I said New Year's Eve. You know, turn of the year compared to where they were. I'm talking like now, look February, where they were in February, <laughs> to where they are right now is is remarkable. Well, and we've seen even in the early days of the Preds, uh, they get in as the eight seed and win two games against Detroit. I remember that was their first playoff series ever. Chicago, too. Yeah, there's been times yeah, yeah. where they would win a couple games. Get in there and win a couple games, sure. right? Like get, getting the playoffs is a win. Winning the series is far-fetched at this point to me, but would be huge for this franchise. But don't go in and get swept. Go, go in and compete, steal a couple games, make it look good, and I think that's now the goal because I, I'm with you, Hutton. They're going to get in. Titans roster moves when we return on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. I'd like to give a shout out to Ronald Acuna. Chad, do you know his stats over the last 162 games played by Acuna? He's an MVP. That's 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 his Paul, stats right now. He I saw this MVP. today and I did a double take. He has 100 he scored 159 runs in his last 162 wow. games. That's outrageous. 50 home runs, 40 stolen bases. In his last sixty or hundred sixty-two games, and he is props Ronald Acuna. He is locked up for the Braves for eight years. Uh, wow. Basically, took most, advantage of him. the most team-friendly deal basically I've ever seen. And Ozzy Albies locked Albies. up the same way. I mean, Ozzy Albies is a good player. He's not Ronald I mean, Acuna, I but could, still, I could expand on the ways that you took advantage of him. But clear that you—you you got a problem with that? The, the organization <laughs> getting a good deal with a player? Well, it's not a good deal. It's a it's a great deal rapacious. for the Braves. I'm it's working a on the Braves. Deal. Yeah, he's still going to make a lot of money. I mean, he's just not going to make uh, absurd money like some other guys. It's abusive. <laughs> abusive <laughs> is what uh, abusive <laughs> is what Aaron Judge did at the plate yesterday. Oh dear God! This outside pitch. I don't know if you saw any of these strikeouts. Low and outside strike. He doesn't do anything with his body. He just swings the bat at it, and he can't reach it. He's like this, me trying to hit a wiffle ball that's out of the out of the zone. This giant man can't reach it. If, <laughs> Aaron, if you don't move a little with your hips, which I know you probably can't because He's they're stiff. sore. Very stiff. But if you don't bend a little at the hips and, and kind of extend, you know, a lot of guys will do this. Follow me here. They'll, they'll flick at that and file it off, you know, file it off or hit it the other way. But if you don't move for that pitch, they're going to keep throwing it. You're going to keep waving at it. You'll have trash. 10 strikeouts and 10 at-bats. The, the, uh, we talked about this in hockey games, especially playoff hockey when you're watching your team. But that feeling of impending doom every time the puck is in the zone <laughs> and you think it's, every shot's going to score, right? Every one of them. Every one of them looks like it's going to the back of the net every single time. 
That's the way I feel watching Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton just from a size standpoint and how hard they swing. Every single pitch and swing, I think, is going into the left field bleachers. Now Stanton the way right now swing. is swinging like that. I mean, he it's is swinging amazing. perfect. No wasted motion. But also, battering the ball. But also yeah. how dumb those guys can look on certain pitches because of how big they are and the way yeah. they swing. Sometimes yeah. they're just way off. The Titans have added three players, but they actually cut another player on their roster. Let's start with who they waived, Kareem Orr, uh, who has been on and off the roster for going on three years now. I think three years. I went back and retweeted a story I did about their seeming willingness. I wrote this April 2nd to kind of churn some of these guys that they've held on to too long. Matt Dickerson being the chief example. Now Kareem Orr falls into that. But one of the guys they bring back is Greg Maben, uh, a name that will live in infamy. In, in Nashville because he was uh, patient zero in, uh, for, for, for all that we know. Uh, all indications lead to him being patient zero for their COVID outbreak. COVID. COVID. Uh, their COVID <laughs> outbreak. Inside joke. Catch us in the MVP, uh, VIP session That's and we'll right. tell you about that. Um, We're talking to you on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, he was, patient, he was patient zero in the big COVID outbreak. Um, <laughs> And, and Brian Hill, running back from Atlanta, that had some success. Okay. They, they don't have depth at running back, in Brian ter- Hill, just in terms of bodies. So you're talking about churning the back end of the roster and players that have been here for a while. When they signed Brian Hill yesterday, I thought, okay, speaking of that idea, this is competition for Jeremy McNichols as yeah. much as anyone else. Okay. Like 100 carries, and Brian Hill, I'm saying. Am I the one thinks about former Magic head coach Brian yeah. Hill every time I say Brian Hill? <laughs> I'm seeing Brian Hill of those 90s era different. Shaq and Penny yeah. Magic teams. Yeah. 3D uh, Scott. D- d- does Dennis Scott yeah, show up with him? Is <laughs> Nick Anderson Jerry. hanging around the Titans facility now? Who is the, who is the center? The uh, white center down low? Brian, that Brian Hill had Nick Anderson. This Titans team has Nick Westbrook again. <laughs> yes, number two. I'd take I Nick think, Anderson. Uh, I think – I mean, Brian Hill could could pose a challenge. I think Jeremy McNichols, if he does what he did last year, should safely win a spot on this. Well, roster. you know, I, but I they just, don't I, have I backs beyond right. Derrick Henry, uh, Darrington Evans, uh, Jeremy McNichols. McNichols, and then you have two fullbacks. Right. So that's not enough for to well, run. Well, I a see. Camp. You know, I see it circulate on Twitter. Oh, 100 carries. He was used last year in, in Atlanta. You know, and 500 yards. And I'm, this is a Jeremy McNichols status. Right. Right? And that's all this is. And he'd have to, I think, really do something to get ahead of McNichols. I, I think so. And McNichols did some good um, work last year. But they, now, they else? cut Deontay Foreman last year, or, or didn't bring him back. Deontay Foreman, who did some good work, I thought, also. They also add Jay March, a linebacker from Akron, I believe. Is he undrafted? Or, uh, oh, they haven't announced any undrafted, so he's a guy with some... Some experience. Paul, some good news for you. Scott Richardson, you can interact with us on Twitter anytime during the show after at Outkick360. Uh, We hear the interaction on the YouTube page is quite uh, frivolous today. Scott Richardson on Twitter says, PK, the program currently free, included with Amazon Prime, free movie night for you. Hey. Will you be watching tonight? Well, since the Yanks are doing their damage now, and we've got two strikeouts for Garrett Cole into the second inning, Need to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, I, I will do my best to watch tonight. Dustin Rush says, no varsity blues on my list. 
to which I say Varsity Blues is a great, great sports movie. Mm. It's not a bad movie at all. It is a great film. Mm. Hutton, your thoughts? Varsity Blues is extremely memorable. Uh, again, I I like it only because of the era I grew up in. You were in it's, high school when yeah. it came out, much yeah. like I was. It's extremely memorable, I, it except for the part where I remember right. nothing about it. Uh, Everybody went to high school with a Billy Bob. Yes. James Kahn in the program, his son Scott Kahn, <laughs> was tweeter. Oh, yeah. These details was tweeter in Varsity knows. Blues. That's all, there's always a connection with these great sports films. the details that he knows about let's, these films. Let's switch gears for a moment back to the national headline, yes. which is Aaron Rodgers, because Adam Schefter was on Dan Patrick earlier this morning, the Dan Patrick Show, where he was asked about making the decision, Schefter was asked about making the decision to break the the Rodgers news last Thursday on draft day and about him wanting out. His quote said, that is absolutely accurate, correct, on asked whether he chose to break the story on draft day. Chose to break the story on draft day. It was nothing that morning that came in that all of a sudden said to me, yeah, he wants out, you should report this. It was just an accumulation of information. That from Adam Schefter uh, to Dan Patrick today. Uh, What's so, that? Accumulation of information. But he didn't break it. No, he did. Okay. He broke that on Thursday on draft. I day. didn't know if he was the one who broke so, it or not. You know, we he did. So we've been discussing why Aaron Rodgers leaked the information on draft day. Schefter is saying it wasn't anything immediate that was leaked. It was Specific. an accumulation of information that I decided to go with on draft day. Because of the news day. So this was playing it up on drafting. This was, let's call it what it is. This was ESPN making a programming decision. Yes. This was not Aaron Rodgers deciding to leak it the day of the draft. This was more they had the story, they sat on it, they got more pieces to the story, and ESPN probably came let's in and said the draft. Let's go ahead that afternoon of the draft and put that out there and drive even more eyeballs to the draft. So I'm going, to, I'm going to continue here. And this Which is, is smart. This is through Pro Football Talk that I'm just going to read from. Schefter explained that after Paul Allen of, of KFAN reported that the 49ers made an offer to the Packers, it became inevitable that the deeper story of Rodgers' discontent was going to come out. So Schefter said, quote, How long until it gets out that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay? It's going to come out. What does it matter if it comes out now or next week or next month? Well, again, what matters is... It drew more attention to the draft that oh. night because that was the talk of the draft. Yeah, but he's basically admitting that, that this Seattle reporter spurred the story. So he, he knows what's going on. Somebody reports an element of, uh, that's pertinent to it, and that accelerates him saying it. That's, that's a natural reporting thing. So, yeah, Chad, you're right. Uh, if, if that day wasn't the draft, does he – he maybe holds it for Sunday morning that week, but something happened that spurred the action. That something that happened that spurred his action was the report about the 49ers having had some level of discussion. And then, you know, of course, we're going back to Schefter's tweet. It was the tweet initially that just broke the internet where he said, Reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is disgruntled with the Green Bay Packers, and he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And then, he, and Schefter's excellent. He, he put on the end of it, sources told ESPN on Thursday, which is, uh, at the time, today. So you're thinking, oh, wow, here we go. Round one of the draft. How does this affect everything? 
all eyes on what happens in the first but round. But what it means is he went back and Double confirmed <laughs> that yeah. stuff. So he is a little misleading with the timing element of that tweet based on what he's telling Dan Patrick today in terms of the timing. There wasn't a news peg, a timing news peg on that Thursday outside of the report about San Francisco. Chad, Tennessee football lands Javante Parker, or excuse me, Payton, Javante Payton. Oh. Uh, familiar name to those in the mid-state because he played high school football at Hillsborough, went to Mississippi State, and is now transferring to the University of Tennessee. Yeah, did, did some nice things, not eye-popping stats or anything at Mississippi State, but did some nice things uh, while there with that program. And I know that he announced saying, uh, it was always coming back home. Or, you know, it's, always, it's always had to be home. And going back to Tennessee, uh, had offers from a bunch of SEC programs. So Josh Heupel has been very strategic with how he's tapped into that transfer portal. Joe Milton, Jawan Mitchell, who is going to start at linebacker yep. and probably be Tennessee's best defensive player at that level, who was the leading tackler at Texas. And now Javante Payton. That's the one area on the team where you look at it and say they've got some decent depth and some good talent at the top at receiver. And now to add Javante Payton to that it is, is a good move. Look, Tennessee needs everything they can get. We hit on this a little bit yesterday. Tennessee doubles the attrition of Penn State after the, the Sandusky scandal. This was a perfect storm of NCAA violation, firing a coach, and the one-year exemption for the NCAA to go wherever you want and play right away happening all at once. So they had a mass exodus, and doubles they need bodies. the attrition of Doubles the amount of players in one year. Worse than Baylor after the scandal with Art Bryles. Worse than Penn State. That's how many players they lost. And those schools were given, those kids were given free passes Penn State to was leave. given a free, there were college coaches on their campus recruiting them. The current players on Penn State's team. That's indicted. And Bill O'Brien and Penn State held on to more of those players mm. than what's left Tennessee in one year. And Tennessee's losing half of their recruiting class. Guys who had just signed, you know, are opting out of their letter of intent to go somewhere else. So it's a bad situation from a depth standpoint. There is some talent. Cade Mays, I think, may be a first-round NFL draft pick on I mean, the offensive line, for instance. Am I, There's some good talent at the top, but they have no depth. Am I wrong to – I mean, if you prefer Jeremy Pruitt to Josh Heupel to that degree, their staffs, I mean, I understand their personal relationships formed over time and stuff, but that sets off some degree of, in my head, that there was more to the offer than the personality. Man, I, I'm so into Jeremy Pruitt, and now that he's gone, I, I got to get out. Or you, that just don't many know. Guys? you just don't know the regime that's coming in. Yeah, but you give most of the time you give them a chance, right? You hear hear them out. You know, share most things. of the time, if you have to sit out a year, if you leave, right now you don't. Don't. Yeah. I Easier think this is the lack of any you get loyalty to a school and a program or even a state for kids from the yeah, state that, is at an all-time low yeah. across college athletics, right. and this is this is the unintended consequences. Sports writers everywhere want to talk about equity and giving the kids what they deserve and if a coach can leave a player can leave and on its face it sounds great and it hurts the sport big time both are true this is going to hurt college football it's going to hurt college basketball there's going to be more of this you're never going to get accustomed to a team in college because that team is going to completely turn over the next year 
at times with transfers leaving and transfers coming in. Tennessee basketball this next year is a classic example. They completely remade their roster with a number two recruiting class and bringing in transfers, completely reshaped their roster. You're going to see more and more of that. Tennessee's getting the bad end of that this year because of, and, and you can understand why. The NCAA investigation, they lost a coach, they brought in a new one, completely different system, completely different style. But it's not going to help the sport in the long run. Is it better for the kids to have options? Sure. And, I, and I'm all for that. And the name, image, likeness to follow is a good thing for the players to capitalize on their own name and their own image. Sounds great, right? It's not going to be great for the sport in the long run. It's going to reshape everything in college athletics. And I don't think if you like college athletics right now, you're not going to like it as much five years from now. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 across the Outkick network, fanduel.com slash OK360, where you can go play some great bets right now. You get up to $1,000 risk-free on your first bet. First-time users, there's the offer. If you strike out on your first bet, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit for just trying FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel.com. Slash OK360. Chad, you like to say when you see offers like that on the screen? I don't know why you haven't already taken advantage of it. I mean, if you have a functional brain right now and you're seeing that offer, it's free money. Do it. Slash OK360. That's the route. Take advantage of it. Risk-free. We're signed up at FanDuel already, but if you're not, now's the time. Sarah, our production assistant, did it today. You can do the same. More coming. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hang with us. Outkick 360, the crew is all here alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us watching across the entire network of Outkick. Big thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Becca Risley, David Reed, uh, Sleepy Danny, uh, the, the, the entire cast do, doing a great job for us today. And uh, shout out to Sarah Triplett making her debut as the production assistant day number one with the show. Albert Pujols, no longer with the Angels. They are releasing him today. I'm looking at his 10 years. This is the 10th year of his 10-year deal with the Angels. Best season there. He had over 100 RBIs uh, one, two, three, four times. Home runs maxed out uh, 40. Uh, another two seasons over 30. Two seasons of 23. I mean, they didn't get their money's worth out of him, right? He he dropped off the table in a lot of ways. And the last four seasons of this deal, you know, 220 home run seasons last year, eight. This year he's done nothing. It, sound, um, it sounds terrible to say and put it this way, but you say that they didn't get their money's worth. The league did not get their money's worth from Albert Pujols either because he went to the West Coast. Yes. And he wasn't playing on the East Coast on a nightly basis like he was when he was with St. But Louis. But this is how it works. Basically, if you, you have to sign a guy to a 10-year deal to get that kind of guy. Unless you're the Braves. And basically, <laughs> and Braves basically crack the code, well, baby. when he gets to free agency, though, like you've done a great job with those two deals we talked about. But when Acuna gets to the end of that, his next deal with whoever it is is going to have to be this monster kind of deal. And the thing with that is you're basically accepting that the last four years of that deal are going to be bad. You buy the first six years of that at the cost of the last four years of it not being good. That's baseball today. And Pujols, over the last four years, has hit 10, 20, 
30 home runs over four years instead of 30 home runs over one year. Over one. Paul, you brought up an interesting point made by Andrew Marshawn in regards to the Aaron Rodgers reporting and Adam Schefter. And we're in the Tennessee Power Hour, so you can relate this to recent reporting by you and some of the responses you get from fans. Yeah, Marshawn said basically, and this is, this is true, like as soon as Schefter tries to explain any of the intricacies of that story, it's over for him because it starts with unnamed sources. And as soon as you're trying to explain anything and there's something that you can't say, there's at least something that you can't say. There's usually a lot of things that you Most. can't say. And when you can't say those things, then people see holes in your explanation. And when they see holes in your explanation, they're like, ah, oh, he's full of it. He's making it up. There's too many holes in this and you can't win. So discussing it is really rather fruitless. Now, you're going to punch holes in Adam Schefter's reporting resume and his sourcing no. and stuff? You shouldn't, but that's where you end up if you go down that rabbit hole that Schefter allowed Dan Patrick to open up. Well, you're better off just saying, you know what, I, I, I can't get into it. And I had that with the, with the thing about the scouts. You know, we had people ask, scouts talking about knowing about Rashad Weaver being in trouble. You know, so people were like, there's no way that they could have known about Rashad Weaver being in trouble because the report wasn't filed until the Friday before and it didn't go public until the Monday after. Well, I didn't say that they knew about the reports. I said that they knew something was up with him. And yeah, a good scout in a conversation with Rashad Weaver the, the week before can press him and find out that, yeah, late night bar, there was something, mm -hmm. you know, that he says is really nothing, but then the scout could investigate. But people don't want to hear that. And so on my Facebook page, they're coming after me. I said, listen, my reporting record is known on here. You know, I've been at it a long time. I've got sources around the league. People in town are knocking me. Well, they don't have sources around the league, I guarantee you. They're, they're yeah, mostly okay. young. They've covered the Titans. The right. people that they know who aren't with the Titans anymore are Arthur Smith. I covered, <laughs> I covered, I covered four teams uh, in, the, in the league for five years, and those people have multiplied and gone on and stuff. If you don't want to believe me, that's fine. Don't come to my face pa Facebook page and bitch me out. Just go away. I'm here. I'm a Hall of Fame voter. If you don't believe in my credentials, that's fine. But don't come here and hound me. Just go, go somewhere else where you like that all they know is Arthur Smith. Well, and something, that's fine. Something that annoyed me yesterday was someone that kept tweeting Outkick360 and said, well, give us the team that the person works for in their name. And then, and then when, when I think I responded and said, well, that's not how sourcing works. That's not going to happen. And then the response is, oh, interesting that you're not going to give the team. That's very convenient that the team isn't going to be revealed that knew about it. And I'm thinking, come on. And I'm sure you got some of that, too. I mean, do you want to know the information or not? Because the trade-off is uh, somebody will share things with me in exchange for anonymity because they're not allowed to talk. Their team doesn't want them talking. Also, the, the anonymity doesn't affect this particular story in any way. Well, they have no incentive to lie. This idea that they're covering their ass... Uh, well, if you're covering your ass anonymously, how does it make your team look good? Or bad. When, I'm not saying who your team is. Well, it's so this has kind of become an extension of or primary, bad. primary complaint. Because two of, the, two of the scouts told you they didn't know, yeah. right? Does it make them Three, look bad is, in the public what, eye? This is what no. I want to get to. This is what I want to get to because it, this is my extension of primary complaint from yesterday about what I keep seeing. And, Paul, you do a good job of telling people to read. 
you know, read the story of the stories out there. The amount of people who asked, well, three out of 32, that's not a bad percentage for the Titans. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's three out of five. What do you mean three out of five? Or, well, two people didn't know. Read the story. Or at least admit. Three people didn't know. At least know because admit. You know, I didn't read Titans. it. If you're talking to someone on the phone and they're telling you about I didn't read the full story. If you preface with that and say, so what was involved in this, that's fine. But the amount of people who just jump to a conclusion based on a headline or make inferences about something not knowing what's in it, it's just baffling to me. Who can't just read. I mean, it wasn't that long of a story. We're not asking you to sit there for 45 minutes, minutes and read a New Yorker profile. This is not a long story. You can read the story. Yeah. Well, the assumption that, that other scouts would just say that after the draft to look better when their name's not attached to it. Uh, so, if these people are bothering how, to either answer so a text look, from me or t- take a phone call, but I'm thinking, Paul, like, why, why are they bothering the? So, lot? which two look bad now? Like, how do we know? Like, which, right. it, who for, looks good for, and who looks bad? For the two that said they didn't know, and we know the Titans yeah. didn't, but if, of the other two, like, <laughs> tell me, tell me who every, those were. If everyone, a question for people who say this: If everyone lied about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell would the two people who said they also didn't know anything about it would admit to not knowing about it? Right. Wouldn't everybody just say, of course I knew about it. I have contacts on the streets in Pittsburgh. I guys walking the streets constantly. Of <laughs> well, course I knew. Let's think this through. <laughs> who looks good? I know the manager of that bar he was at, in fact. I called the guy <laughs> the next morning and knew something was up. Let's think this through. Who looks good and who looks bad now? Okay, we have no answers for that. But let's think this no, we through. We know who looks bad, the Titans. Right. Who in Nashville, Tennessee, would like for the three scouts who said they knew to be lying? Who? Who? And who are those people that would have the phone numbers of all the people in town who are saying those people are lying? <laughs> who? Who? Oh, people with thumbtack logo. <laughs> the flaming thumbtacks. Flaming thumbtacks. I mean, look, I told you when we left our old outlet that the fingerprints of the Titans were going to be more omnipresent, more omnipresent is not the right word, maybe, more present on that outlet. And I think you've heard it the last few days because it's become uh, more than one host over there has taken this tact, which tells me they got the same text from the same person at at Baptist uh, or Ascension Sports Park. <laughs> it's it's a it's not whatever the hell it's called. Um, hospital Sports Park. Hospital yes. Sports Park. <laughs> healthcare at, name Sports Metro Park. Center that they don't you like. We're looking live on Healthcare Name Sports Park. <laughs> Just place one here. But I can tell you that the Titans believe that other teams knew. I can tell you that. That's a good good bit of info. Now, why would they say that to look? To look uh, foolish, they wouldn't. All right, I, that's what they, I could they, tell. They wouldn't. They would just be honest about it, and they've already admitted they didn't know uh, in the in the uh, statement that they sent out on Monday morning. Guys, as we wrap up, I want to know how many punches you could take in training if you were Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury training for a fight with Anthony Joshua, and posted this on his Instagram account this morning in his training to. Prepare his his core. Is that the I way mean, to prepare your core? This is insane to me that he sits there and then smiles and just stands there and takes it. Um, if you're fighting, if That's you're fighting Tyson Fury and you see this, <laughs> what are you thinking to yourself? I'm thinking I got into the wrong yeah. line of work. Is what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, the soreness that would follow this if I were taking repeated. 
also shots the, to the rib cage. Think about like just that. like the layer of skin beneath the outer lining of his core, like his torso, like the like the the callus that that must be. You know what I mean? I, I mean, mean is there not a? Uh, it's a different breed, uh, that guy. Well, this is not just a mental thing. Is there not internal bleeding that that follows this? I mean, this is not prudent. I mean, that that this is his training. I I could take yeah, I would take one punch and be on the ground. I, I, oh, I'd be doubled over immediately, yeah. my spleen, gasping my for air. My spleen would not be inside my uh, torso yeah, I'd, anymore. I'd, I'd urinating be, uh, blood. When's the fight? I'd be former Titans quarterback Billy Volek in a hospital with the spleen issue after getting hit after one hit. After I mean, the fight shot. can't be soon. You can't be doing this close to the fight. You know what I like about Tyson Fury? There's a little bit of mystery that he may be completely insane. Oh, he is insane. <laughs> but I mean, I, I like I like that bit of tension that this guy may might actually be crazy. I don't know if they've announced it yet. All right. well, Remember, with, uh, was it Deontay Wilder when he was like licking the blood off of him or licking the sweat? Yeah, that was his last fight. Yeah, but that that moment where he was, I'm thinking, this guy may legitimately be insane. Well, and you've got to like be a little crazy fighters. to be in the fight game. For sure. But he um, may be even going a little bit further than that. I'm not seeing that insanity. and being like, oh, I'm into that guy. I, I'm seeing that and being like, I'm out on this guy. I'm, I'm not into the guys. Like, I'm not a fan of the fighter, but I'm a fan of watching that. <laughs> if two people are going to fight, that's what I'm a fan of. Meanwhile, uh, I'm out. Meanwhile, Jakob and, and Lance can stand there and take it. Thoughts. I just, uh, I think it's unfair that he seems to be injecting Botox around his gut. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter uh, at Outkick360. Again, fanduel.com slash OK360. Sarah, how many strikeouts are we up to? Two. Two, two, two. in the third inning? We need bottom of the third. Of the third so uh, we did not get any strikeouts at the up. top of the third. We need to do better, Paul. We must do better on eight and a half strikeouts if we're going to win this bet. Boys, never follow me on a bet. <laughs> we went all in together. <laughs> oh, as, we, as I sign off here, great suggestion for a – Great bad sports movie yes. that Paul on uh, Paul Bomber on Twitter su- uh, suggested. Necessary Roughness, also from the same era. Paul, your thoughts? Texas State, the Texas State fighting armadillos. Great one. <laughs> Paul's going to go home. He's going to watch gonna the sleep. program ad free. I got to watch after the rest a, of after a Yankees nice long game. nap. Paul's going to go home, fall asleep <laughs> in nice front of nap, the Yankees game. Nice nap. Then he's going to wake up and watch the program ad free. On one which device? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Uh, he will then bring that review. But prior to him sitting down to watch the ad-free program, he will do what with the front door? I'm going to lock the hell out of the front door <laughs> and, and the back door and the garage door. If, if you're tripping out on acid tonight you're looking for a house to come into, don't come Jacob. near mine. Everything is secure. And I would urge all of you out there to also lock your locks and... While you're driving to that house, before you get inside to lock it, don't block any boxes. (laughs) Bang, bang. Don't step on that. (laughs) Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.